So uh, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 10. John 10. This will be our passage for this morning. John chapter 10. Um, But also just uh, quickly, a few notes about Psalm 23, which is what Hamish read this morning for us. Uh, Obviously, it's a well-known psalm. A lot of people know it off by heart. Who knows it off by heart, by the way? Oh, that's wonderful to see. Very good. It is a really good psalm. Um, And so that's part of the reason why I thought this would be a good message this morning. It's back to basics probably a little bit, but sometimes we need to be reminded of those things, and that's one one of the things that I was thinking about this morning. Sometimes we just need to get back to the basics of why we are here, what we do, uh, and who we are as people and what, what we're all about, really. And so this analogy of the shepherd and a sheep from Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm um, is, is such a helpful one, and it's what we're going to be looking at uh, in a bit more detail this morning. Uh, he, he describes his relationship with God in this term of a, of a sheep, David who's the sheep and God who is the shepherd. And uh, in following God, uh, he is given restoration and comfort. It says there, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We'll see that a little bit more this morning as well. But we also see the shepherd protects David. In verse 4 there it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And finally there he's blessed at the end, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the passage is a wonderful introduction to John 10 and what we're looking at this morning. We're going to look at what Jesus taught around the same theme, this shepherd and the sheep. Before we get into that, let's just have a quick word of prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you would just help us this morning to uh, learn these facts that we probably know already, Lord, but just to be reminded of them, to, to think of ourselves in terms of, uh, of this analogy of the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, Lord, we're following somebody, Lord. Uh, Lord, we need to know who the shepherd is that we are following. Uh, Lord, decide that, that we are uh, to know who we're following, why we're here, what our role is. Pray that you would give us clarity this morning from your word and help uh, us to uh, understand some, some new things perhaps, but also just remind us of those things that we, uh, we have heard time and time again, Lord, to stir us up in our hearts, Lord, to, uh, to want to live lives that are pleasing, Lord, to you, our shepherd. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 10. The book of John is, is quite a special book for most Christians. You know, it's, uh, it's often the book that we point people to when they first become a Christian. Go read John. That'll tell you all you need to know um, about Christ and about his ministry and about who, he, who he, Christ is. So we often refer people there. Uh, and it's also a book of, that's a bit of a favorite for people to study themselves for the same reasons. Um, he doesn't use a lot of complicated terms, a lot of... Uh, doctrine and theology. He just lays it out nice and simple for everybody to understand. He focuses entirely on the events and teaching of Jesus' life and his ministry. And the the overwhelming focus of the book of uh, John is to show Jesus Christ, the man, and Jesus Christ, 
that is God as well. He focuses on the relationship that Jesus has to the Father and our relationship to him. And he beautifully portrays how Jesus, uh, who Jesus is and how we can come to know him better. So with that in mind, I'd like to read most of this chapter 10. Uh, and this morning we're just going to look at two verses, uh, just 14 to 16. So as we read through, just pay attention to those verses as well. Uh, so we're going to read from verses 1 to 18, and then we're going to skip a few verses and go from 24 to 30. All right. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought his, out all his that are his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will they not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Skipping down to verse 24. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So it's an amazing passage that we open together this morning. And there's much that we could learn and pull out from this passage. But this morning I want to look at three things about the shepherd and three things about us, the sheep. So, let's start back there in verse number 14. We've got 
14 to 16 is our, is our passage this morning. 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I'd just like to pause and look at that word good for a few, few minutes. I am the good shepherd. The word Jesus here uses is the word kalos. And our English word falls a bit short of what it merely means. It has a much broader range of meaning than what we've used there, or good, the word we've used is good. In some places it can be translated beautiful, or valuable, virtuous, or honorable. It's used in Luke 8 uh, verse 15 in the parable of the sower when Jesus is explaining who uh, those were described as good ground, those people who heard the word and responded to it. He says of them, they having heard the word with a noble and good heart. And the word there, kalos, is rendered noble. Noble or honest in the King James. So we can see here that the word good is, is, is so much more than just what we perceive the word good to be. It implies purity and value, beauty and honor. All those characteristics of Jesus himself. So as we start this morning, we want to look at the shepherd. We want to look at the, the beautiful, honorable, noble shepherd, Jesus. And there's three things that we want to notice. First thing we want to look together at is the shepherd is greater than the sheep. The shepherd is greater than the sheep. By Jesus calling himself the shepherd, he's showing his status as above everyone else. We know here that uh, Jesus is addressing the Jews and the Pharisees, and all the religious leaders of the day as well. I'm sure this didn't go down very well with them. Uh, they were the spiritual leaders, weren't they? They were the guys who were in charge. They thought all spiritual things ended with them. If they were to use the same meta metaphor, they would say that they were the, uh, the, uh, the shepherds, and the Jewish people were there to follow them, follow the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those people who had given that office of, of leadership. But Jesus is saying here that he's greater than all those religious leaders. In fact, he's going one step further because in the Jewish mind, the greatest shepherd of their history was who? No. Who is the greatest shepherd? King David. So King David was who they referred to, who they would have thought as the greatest shepherd of all. Um, you know, he caught lions and killed them and uh, he was a, a warrior king. And, uh, you know, but started out as a, a simple shepherd boy too. And it isn't out of character that Jesus is going against the religious leaders here. He's also saying that he's great. So he's saying he's greater than David. He's also saying that he's greater than Moses in chapter 5 of John. Uh, in chapter 8, he goes on to say he's greater than Abraham. And so in here, in, in, in John 10, he's saying that he's also greater than King David. And so you see, through John, he's establishing himself as greater than all those great religious Jewish leaders of uh, history and of, the, of that day as well. King David sung those words in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He didn't see himself as a shepherd even though he was a king. King David had everything, didn't he? He was the mightiest of the land. He ended up uh, with everybody uh, serving him as king and God gave him that position as king over all the people. But he never claimed to be the shepherd. He said, Jesus is the shepherd. 
he didn't know Jesus. Obviously, he called God the, sh the shepherd, and uh, and uh, we can see here when we apply that, that's Jesus. But he has the same relationship. It talks about the shepherd and the sheep, and so Jesus had every right to claim that he was the good shepherd. He was God himself in human flesh. Look at verse thirty, and it makes it very clear. He says there in, the, in verse thirty, "I and the Father." Are one. No one listening to Jesus would have walked away without knowing exactly what he was saying. He was claiming equality with God. He was equal with God. He, him and God are the same, one and the same. So we need to see that the shepherd, first of all, is greater than the sheep. We need to realize that Jesus is far greater than a mere man. And that's one of the cornerstones of our faith, isn't it? You know, a lot of false religions, the first thing that they will do is challenge the deity of Christ, what we call the deity of Christ. God is, Jesus is God, and God is Jesus. You know, that's one thing that always gets challenged. But the Bible is very clear, and if we, if we believe the Bible, and if we put our faith in the Bible and its authenticity, which we do at this church, then that's very clear from scriptures that Jesus is God. And that's why John, in his book, focuses so heavily on the deity of Christ. I don't think you can read the book of John and think anything else after you've finished reading it, that Jesus and, the Father, Jesus and God are one. So the shepherd is greater than the sheep. Jesus is greater than a regular man. Uh, he was far greater. So Jesus calling himself the good shepherd, we see that he's greater than anybody else has ever lived, the only one to ever live a perfect life. Secondly, we see that the shepherd knows his sheep. And look again there in verse 14. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and am known. Uh, I know my own and am my own know me. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep, Jesus said. Now, isn't it incredible to think that Jesus knows us? He really knows us intimately. Verse 2, Jesus said there, He, he, uh, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the shepherd hears his voice. He calls his name and, the she and leads them out. And what a closeness the shepherd has with the sheep. So much so that they... Uh, that they follow him out. In those days, they would have all the sheep together in one big pen. Uh, and the shepherd would go in, call his own sheep, and the sheep knew the shepherd's voice and would follow him out. And all the others who didn't know the shepherd's voice would stay in the pen. And, um, and that's what this picture is. He says, I know my sheep, my sheep know me. So he as a shepherd goes in, and all the sheep follow him out. And... Uh, you know, uh, it's real closeness that he that he has. Uh, you know, if you if you have an um, like we do, we have a few animals on our place, and one of the rules that if you if you're going to eat something, you don't name it. Uh, if you have some chickens or something or a sheep, uh, don't get your kids to name them because then they fall in love with them and then you can't kill them and put them on your plate. Uh, so we we have we have some animals like that, and uh, you know. Early on, we the kids did name them, and it was one of those things that we could never 
we could never kill those ones that we named. We've still got a pig, Lucy, who's a, who we could never eat um, because there's that attachment. And Jesus knows us by name too. He calls us by his by name. He knows us intimately. Even down to the very hairs on our head, he knows us. God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And it's the same for us. Christ knew us before the foundation of the world. How sad it will be for those in the last day who, who will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name do wonderful works. And then Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. But the Father knows us, the shepherd knows us. And what a blessing it is to be known by Jesus. It's more than just knowing who we are. He knows what we're going through. And he goes through it with us. In verse 3, we see that the shepherd leads the sheep out. And in New Zealand, we use dogs, don't we, to round up the sheep and to drive the, the flock of sheep from behind. That's the way we do it over here. But in those days, because the shepherd and the sheep were so bound together, they lived so much together, uh, they, were, they had this relationship that the sheep would just follow the shepherd wherever the shepherd went. And whatever situation the sheep, sheep went through, the shepherd went through it with the sheep. And it's the same in our lives, you know. Any problems or struggles we meet, Jesus is with there, going with us right through them, leading us if we would just follow him. He knows what it's like to be in our shoes, to be happy, to be sad, to suffer heartache and fear, to be betrayed. David calls those things the valley of the shadow of death. But he took comfort as we can take comfort that you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This picture that's seen there this morning a little bit, the shepherd with his staff comforting, looking after the sheep. And the shepherd's staff is a comfort for two reasons. Firstly, it's to guide and direct the sheep. Um, the the old shepherd's crooks, they had those big sort of hooks on the end, didn't they? And if a sheep got out of, out of line, they could pull them back and they could guide them with that. And secondly, it's a good weapon if something ever attacks. And so the, the staff is a comfort because it can guide, but it can also rebuke. And Jesus does the same as our shepherd. He guides us and he can also rebuke us for our own good and for our own safety. So what a wonderful comfort to know that secondly, Jesus knows the sheep. He knows us. Thirdly, we want to note about the shepherd is that he dies for the sheep. A good shepherd will put his life on the line for his sheep. Look back there at verse 11 to 13. Uh, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. A hireling or a hired hand is someone who's just paid to look after the sheep. 
It's a job to him. It's just what he does. And he gets money for it. But when danger comes, he runs away. When difficulties and struggles come, he leaves. It's not so with the good shepherd. He puts his life on the line for the sheep. And in those days, uh, you can see examples of David who would fight bears and lions to defend his sheep. And it's the same with the good shepherd. And let's turn back just to First Samuel 17, just to have a look at that. First Samuel 17, and we'll see this is illustrated in David, in David's life. We see in the passages uh, here that David is trying to convince King Saul to let him go out and fight with Goliath. And in verse 34 to 36, we see a little bit about what David did for his sheep. Verse 34 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistines shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. We all know that God gave the victory to David there, and he went out and took care of Goliath. So that's, a, that's an example of a good shepherd. Puts himself in danger for his sheep and would even be prepared to die for his sheep. They were important. They mattered. And he was willing to risk everything to keep them safe. Jesus goes further than that, doesn't he? He not only risks his life for his sheep, but he gives his life for his sheep. In our text there in John 10, verse 15, it says, I lay down my life for the sheep. He lays his life down for us. The good shepherd sacrifices himself for us. It's hard to get our head around this for a bit. You know, if we just compared the sheep's value to even a human shepherd, we'd say, well, the shepherd would be crazy to kill himself or get to offer himself for just a sheep. You know, you can buy them for just a few hundred dollars or even less sometimes. There's not much value in a sheep. Why would a person with all the value in a person ever lay down their life for a sheep? But Christ did that for us. His love was so great for us that he died for us. And how unworthy we are as sheep for what he has given to us. Jesus, our great shepherd, was led as a, as a sheep to the slaughter, tells us in Acts 8. And as a, as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The shepherd gives the life for the sheep, as Christ did for us. He lays down his life, and why? So that in verse 28 it says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He gives us eternal life. That is why he lays down his life for us. Our lives are then, once we give our life to Christ, they are held securely in his hand there. He says, no one's going to snatch them out of my hand. 
The great shepherd is greater than all. No one can actually go in there and take us out of his hand. It's as if lions and, and wolves were trying to attack, but nobody can get past the shepherd. He will securely keep us and give us eternal life, as it says there in verse 28. So that's our shepherd. That's who we are to follow. And next we want to look at just a few things about us as sheep. There's three quick points about us as sheep. You know, it's not a very flattering thought to think of yourself as a sheep, is it? Uh, they're not really the sort of animal that, that we naturally aspire to. You know, if you're asking the kids out there at the back what sort of animals they would like to be, they'll probably say lions and tigers and cheetahs and all those kinds of things, those, those cool animals, right? They're fast and they're strong and they've got big teeth and big claws and all that kind of stuff. I don't think any of them would want to be a sheep. Uh, they're not too bright. They easily get themselves into trouble. Uh, not particularly, not particularly inspiring animals. But that's what God calls us. He calls us sheep. And it's a good way to keep ourselves in check and to remember that we are frail and helpless and not too bright. Unless we properly understand this, and the guy in the Sunday school this morning, the, the preacher sort of touched on this humility aspect, unless we understand our proper place, we'll never be a good follower of Jesus Christ. You know, we have to take a bit of a, a hit with our pride to feel us, of ourselves as sheep. You know, we like to think that we can handle everything ourselves, that we can control our own lives, control everything that we want to do, and, and uh, to think of, our, of ourselves as a sheep puts all that under question but we need to do so and that's really what we are if we look at ourselves and the truth of, of the, the, the light of the gospel. Once we realize that we're sheep, we acknowledge that we need his strength, we need his support, we need his guidance, we need his protection. We will recognize that we are foolish and we need his wisdom and we can only thrive if we have someone greater than ourselves to follow. In many ways, we behave more like sheep than we would probably like to admit. Human nature is to follow the crowd, isn't it? That's why we have such things as peer pressure, this incredible desire to fit in. Uh, we think of it, especially with young people and teenagers, uh, that get pushed around by the crowd that they're associating with their friends and people at school and things like that. Because we're sheep, we want to go where all the other sheep go. We want to do what all the other sheep do. But the Bible calls us to be something stronger than that and to not follow the crowd, not to follow all the other sheep going in the wrong direction, but to follow the true sheep in Christ's flock, if you like. So we must ask the question, who are we following? We're all following a shepherd. We're all sheep. You can either follow the true shepherd or you can follow lots of other shepherds, ideas, philosophies, things in life, uh, different ideas or concepts, but not the shepherd. You know, we may even be harassed or mocked from time to time by, by other sheep uh, who are following other shepherds. But we aren't to be swayed. We stick close to the true shepherd who will lead us through this life to those green pastures and still waters. There's another trait of sheep I'd just like to mention this morning. 
uh, you know, I, I had a bit of experience with sheep now. We've, we've got a few sheep on our property, and, um, and when I was down in Christchurch, we, I stayed on a, on a farm down there, and they had hundreds of sheep. And uh, they had these huge open fields where the sheep could go. And, uh, and you'd think they'd be pretty safe. You know, there's a sheep, there's hundreds of them, you know, they all stick together and they should be able to know where danger is. But, uh, but Campbell, the, the farmer down there, he was constantly going out to, to rescue sheep from fences and from ditches and from all sorts of things. If there's trouble, they'd find it. And, uh, and that's a lot like us too, isn't it? You know, often if we're left to our own devices, and you can see this in not only individuals' lives, but even in, in countries' lives, if we're left to our own devices, we end up destroying ourselves. You know, look at our, our society even, which is in world terms a very, very good society. You know, you read things on the internet and things, and everyone wants to live in New Zealand, and you know, we have it all really good. But still, you look at some of the things that go on in our land, you know, violence and broken homes and, and uh, terrible things and uh, all brought about by sin and by sheep trying to follow themselves and other things that aren't true and uh, do their own thing. They end up in trouble and in disaster. And that's what it's like when, you fight, when you're sheep without a shepherd. So that's our second point about us as sheep. We need to follow a shepherd. And we need to follow the shepherd. Firstly, we need to make sure, of course, that we're in Christ's flock of sheep. In verse 16, it says there, I have, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Jesus is talking here about bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together into one fold, into one flock. I don't think any of us are Jews here this morning, so we all talk, uh, we're all in that second flock that Jesus was talking about there, and it was Jesus' job to, to uh, open the doors for Gentiles, for people like you and me, to be saved and to have a relationship with, with God the Father. Before that point, of course, the Jewish nation, the Israelites, were the chosen people of God, and to be, be close to, the, to God, you had to become a Jew. In Christ, that was done away with, and he opened the door for a greater flock that would all be one flock, Jews and Gentiles together. So we have these two groups of people, Jew, uh, the Jews and Gentiles all joining into the flock of God and into his family. But we know there uh, that there's also this other analogy of sheep and goats. And... Uh, you're either a sheep or you're a goat. And, uh, and that's, that's true. And that, that's the dividing line. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Are you a follower of the, Jesus as the good shepherd or are you a follower of the, the world as your shepherd? And so in verse 25 to 28, uh, he, re, he, uh, he says this. <laughs> they said, uh, they asked him if he was the Christ and he said, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you don't, do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Are we in God's flock this morning? 
Do you hear his voice and do you follow him? Does Jesus own you? Is it as if Jesus is the shepherd who's bought you and you are his sheep who are to follow him and do whatever he asks? 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we are not our own. We are bought with a price. And in the same way, as a farmer goes to the stockyards to buy some sheep, Jesus has purchased us, not with mere money, but with his precious blood on the cross. So we belong to him, and as his possession we have no option or desire other than to follow him down a narrow path rather than traveling through the life on the broad road that leads to destruction. We need to follow the shepherd. Wherever sheep try and follow other sheep, they get into more trouble than it's worth. You know, and even in church sometimes that can happen too. We end up following a, a popular person of the day uh, or a, a great writer or a great preacher uh, or, or a pastor and, uh, and we don't evaluate everything they're saying or doing with the Word of God and, and that can be dangerous too. We need to remember that even pastors and those great men of God that we hold in great esteem and such a blessing to us, they're sheep too. They're not the shepherd. And they're only good. Uh, they have a responsibility often to, to flocks of people, but only to point them to the true shepherd, and that's Jesus Christ. And a good pastor is one who points the sheep to the great shepherd and not to himself. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and am known by my own. So that falls on us. Can we claim that we know Christ? It should be the goal of our lives to know him better every day. In verse 27, the thought's repeated. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do we follow Jesus' voice? Do we know it well enough that we can uh, distinguish it from the voice of a stranger? Do we know the word of God well enough that we can differentiate what is true and what is not true? You know, back in there in verses 2 to 5, uh, talks about other shepherds, robbers, who come in and try and steal the sheep. And uh, they're led by the, it says the thief there. The thief comes in to steal and kill and destroy. That's their goal. Do we know our shepherd's voice well enough to distinguish it from those, those other messages, those other people who would just come to destroy us, those other thoughts, those other um, philosophies out there? Do we know that still small voice of the Saviour? We need to have ears that hear and hearts that follow the Good Shepherd. The last point this morning is, is just to close. As sheep, we need to stay together. You know, it's, it's not uncommon in New Zealand to see sheep scattered all over the, all over the pasture. But it wasn't true in Jewish times. And in, in, in those times, they, they clung very close together. All the sheep were were in a tight pack, you know, they had things to worry about like wolves and bears and, and lions and all those sorts of things which can attack, which we don't have in New Zealand, so the, the sheep learn that and they can scatter around a bit. But over there, everyone's, the sheep stuck together. And I think that's a picture of how we should be as well. Christians clinging together, protecting each other spiritually from attacks from the enemy. You know, a, a sheep who is 
got surrounded by other sheep is, is a much better odds of survival if attacked than a sheep out there on its own. If you ever watch any of those documentaries about animals, you'll see that the, the lions and the cheetahs and all that always go for those weak ones who are out on their own. And it's the same. We're responsible to each other to keep each other close and to uh, give us each other strength and support to stay with the herd, to stay with the flock, I should say, and to stay behind the shepherd. You know, it even uses that analogy in the Bible, doesn't it? We see Satan talked about in terms of a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's true. He seeks Christians to devour them. And, uh, and so we need to stick together as well and encourage each other to walk lives that are, that are, are pleasing to the shepherd and to follow him. So this morning we've seen, and we'll just close very shortly, just two verses we've looked at this morning. We've seen the shepherd and we've seen the sheep, and hopefully you can remember those three things about the shepherd and three things about the sheep. We've seen a responsibility to understand and humble our position before Christ the shepherd and to know him and to stay following him. And I'd just like to close with Hebrews 13. Uh, which says this, and I'll offer it as a bit of a benediction to us all this morning. Now may, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen.